Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to take you to the Empire State, where an embattled governor, Andrew Cuomo, is fighting dual scandals, uh, facing growing calls of resignation, early talk of impeachment, dual investigations from the United States Justice Department and the New York Attorney General, one focused on his administration's decision to hide, withhold, uh, nursing home data about the deaths caused by COVID, the deaths caused by the governor's own mandate to send COVID positive patients back to nursing homes where there were vulnerable populations. Very important uh, story there. And then, of course, the second piece of it is the um, uh, sexual harassment allegations. Three women in New York and one prior uh, from his time in Washington, D.C., as the HUD secretary under Bill Clinton have made allegations of sexual harassment, hostility, uncomfortable, inappropriate uh, language suggestions. Uh, some of it is backed by video. You've seen the Eat the Sausage video, some other creepy things. Uh, Governor Cuomo is facing uh, serious allegations, and we're going to get right to the bottom of it with uh, Senator Robert Ort. Who is he? He's the Republican leader, the top Republican, the minority leader, in the New York Senate. He's on the front lines of this. We got to find out. And one of the stories that was out there a couple of days ago, they were they were talking of stripping him of his uh, emergency powers. When you read the legislation, it doesn't quite do that. And I want Senator Orr to walk us through that. Sometimes the media reports something and you dig into it and you find out it's not exactly what it is. There's a little bit different story about stripping of the emergency powers. That said... Uh, the allegations, the investigations, U.S. Justice Department, FBI, uh, nursing home deaths, Letitia James, the uh, Attorney General of New York on sexual harassment. This is real stuff, and we're going to get right to it with Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort. should uh, be a very newsy interview. Then after that, we're going to go take a quick stroll through uh, Just the News AM, the great television show. Sophie Mann, my great colleague and the new host of the show, has... Um, a great guest on today. She brought on Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. A lot of news in Georgia. Herschel Walker, maybe he's running, maybe he's not running for U.S. Senate. Uh, new election laws are being passed to tighten up some of the voter ID irregularities or voter ID looseness and other things that occurred in the 2020 election that a lot of Republicans blame for Warnock and Ossoff winning the Senate seats, Trump losing 
the presidential race in that uh, state. Uh, we're going to hear from Governor Kemp from the good interview that Sophie Mann has graciously shared with our podcast. But before we get there, before we dive in and, and give you some news and some other uh, uh, great interviews, I want to tell you about an offer from my good friends at Birch Gold. And uh, the reason I like talking about this is I've been watching the news about the economy. And there's a lot of concerns that maybe the new COVID bill, which you know is aiming to put $1.9 more dollars into the U.S. economy, printed money, borrowed money, uh, could lead to a, a sudden spike in inflation, could lead to interest rates increasing, could lead to economic downturn. And then you've got all the other things, the U.S. debt teetering. We had um, Congressman Tom Massey talking about the numbers. You just move one point up in interest rates, which sometimes you do to bring down inflation. And now all of a sudden the government service of debt becomes uh, a very serious issue. Um, uh, so in that economy where you've got still the weakness from COVID, 50, 60% of small businesses damaged, ruined, or closed forever. Um, my friends at Birch Gold Group have um, the right opportunity for you to consider maybe investing your retirement or some of your investment money in a different way, insulate it for some market uh, vulnerabilities that seem to be on the horizon. Certain a lot of people like Janet Yellen and others, Lauren Summers talking about, and these are Democrats, by the way, talking about the, the threat of inflation. Um, the folks at Birch Gold Group, the first off, they're fantastic people. They're one of the top dealers of physical precious metals in the United States. We're talking about gold and silver particularly. And you can use them to diversify your savings, your retirements, uh, by buying gold and silver, putting it into your portfolio. As you know, uh, gold is uh, a, a commodity that has performed very well over the years, pretty stable. It's not going to have a bull market run downward. It, uh, it does really, really well. And so... My friends at Birch Gold Group, you're, you're getting ready to prepare your taxes, right, probably for April 15th. You're reevaluating your um, investments, maybe preparing for a downturn in the market. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but you've got to be prepared for it. Well, they have got a plan, uh, a free info kit uh, on how you can use physical precious metals to diversify your savings, your retirement, your investments. It's a 20-page kit. It's absolutely worth reading. Uh, it shows you how you can legally move your IRA or 401k retirements out of the stock market if you're worried about volatility in the near future and into pressure into a precious metals IRA. That's what they call it, precious metals IRA. I didn't know they had that until I met these amazing folks at Birch Gold. So listen, here at Just the News, we've opened up a special opportunity for you. You, uh, you have a no cost, no obligation kit. You just go online to birchgold.com slash just the news. Let me give you that again, B-R-B-I. R-C-H gold, birchgold.com slash just the news. And you go fill out a quick uh, form. They send you a, uh, a kit, 20 page kit. You get up to speed on it. You can make a really informed choice on it. I've done it. I love it. Um, and you can also qualify as a just the news fan club member. Make sure you use that URL to get uh, up to $10,000 in bonus and free purchase of medals. If you make a first medal purchase, Listen, there's zero cost to this. There's zero obligation. All you got to do is request the information, learn about it. I didn't know about it. I've been worried about the economy. We've been talking about that on the show. These guys have got the perfect, straightforward, no holds barred, nice, easy to read, easy to understand kit. Get that 20-page kit. How do you do it? One more time. You go to Birch Gold, B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D, birchgold.com slash 
Just news. No, us, just the news. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have the top Republican in the New York Senate giving you the very latest on the front lines of the Andrew Cuomo scandal. This is a big deal. The Empire State is, is shaking with scandal, and we're going to have somebody on the front lines to make, help us make sense of it right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man on the front lines of one of the big scandals in America right now, the Andrew Cuomo scandals. It is Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort. Senator, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Great to be with you. I know how busy you are, but I want to get right to this. After all the evidence you've seen now, you've got two different issues going on with the Cuomo administration, the, the hiding of the nursing home deaths during COVID, and now the sexual harassment allegations, which seem to be growing each day. When you've looked at the evidence that you've seen thus far, what does uh, Governor Cuomo need to do right now? Right now, the governor needs to resign. Uh, he does not have the moral uh, ability to continue to lead the state in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of a fiscal and economic crisis, in the middle of budget negotiations. Um, he, he, we know he has been untruthful with the people of New York before these allegations. He lied, and his administration acknowledged that they lied right. to us, people in New York, about the nursing home deaths. They withheld that information. Why did they do it? Because they were worried about an federal investigation uh, under President Trump, uh, you know, under the DOJ, from the DOJ. And they, they were worried about the governor's order from last March directing COVID positive patients into nursing homes. That's it. Um, uh, I've called for the commissioner of health, Howard Zucker, to resign as well. But the governor doesn't have, he didn't have the moral leadership when he broke the trust then, never issued an apology. The only apology that he issued on the nursing home deaths were to Democratic lawmakers in a secret closed door meeting for the political inconvenience that it caused them, which wow. I think is a window into how this governor thinks and acts. It's not about the deaths. It's not about the family. It's about the politics. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And it seems like there's a growing number of Democrats that agree with you that it's time to resign. Is the vote to strip him uh, of his emergency powers beyond the actual purpose of doing that and, and taking the pandemic powers away from him? Is this a message from both parties to say, you're no longer our governor, get out of the way? You know, John, it, it, it should be. However, the bill that they're going to be advancing, believe it or not, doesn't strip him of his powers. It actually, it, it, it removes the sunset from the current provision, which was April 30th. It removes any sunset uh, and it allows him to continue to modify or reissue existing directives of which there are about a hundred currently wow. outstanding. So Senate Democrats, you know, this is the typical, we're going to pee on your shoes and tell you that it's raining. Uh, <laughs> this is not ours. Yeah. Uh, it does the opposite in a lot of ways. Wow, that's interesting. So let me ask, if this plays out, and let's say he decides he's going to fight this out for a while, are there enough votes in two parties to perhaps move him towards impeachment? I think 
I think that we are moving in that direction. Um, impeachment, uh, much like the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, it, it, the way it works here, the U.S. Uh, the, the, the New York Assembly would be the House that would have to initiate articles of impeachment. Uh, I think you know that's a certain threshold. We'll see what these investigations. Remember, there's two investigations going on. There's the criminal probe from the DOJ right. and the FBI. You know, you, now you have the new investigation from the Attorney General. Either one of those, you know, could could result in either criminal charges or certainly uh, enough evidence there that I would think would warrant then uh, impeachment. But uh, the, the real thing, he, the, the proper thing that you asked at the top of the show, he, he should resign. Um, that would allow the, the needs of New Yorkers. I mean, we're talking about vaccine rollouts. We're talking about reopening the state. We're talking about getting people back to work. We're talking about, you know, getting us through this pandemic uh, and, and, and the budget and the fiscal crisis that it's caused. How can he do that reasonably? and be focused where focus should be on the people of this state and not on his own legal uh, troubles in the investigations. I don't believe he can. And that's why I think somebody else, the Lieutenant governor, uh, who's also a Democrat, right. But she needs to step in there and be able to do the job that, that uh, New Yorkers expect their governor to do uh, at this time. As you look at the attorney general, Letitia James now gearing up her own investigation. She talked about the need for subpoena power do you have confidence based on the work she did in the COVID nursing home death that she has the powers and will do the sort of job that New Yorkers want to get the transparency about Andrew Cuomo and the sexual harassment allegations? Yeah. You know, look, at I, I, I don't know the attorney general personally. Um, she's elected by the people of New York, right? She's not appointed by the governor. She's elected to serve the entire state. Uh, and I certainly hope and, and believe that she can, uh, that she will follow this investigation where it leads. And, and I think at this point, that's the mandate from New York, right? They would, they would expect nothing left from her, regardless of her political affiliation uh, or whatever party she, she belongs to. She's obviously a, a Democrat, but I think she will follow this investigation. Uh, I trust that she will. And, uh, you know, that could take several months and we'll see what that comes back with. But uh, the, the, right now, the three women who came out uh, and made these uh, allegations against the governor um, I will tell you, they've shown more bravery than my colleagues across the aisle who still, as we just discussed, still cannot bring themselves to rescind the governor's emergency powers and do the job that they were elected to do as state legislators. It's an amazing dynamic. And it's also amazing that the sexual harassment allegations have gotten more attention than, you know, thousands of deaths. You look at the population, a nursing home population is one to two percent of a state. And yet, and yet it's the vast majority of many of the deaths in counties and areas. And that hasn't gotten as much uh, concern among Democrats. Why do you think they were slow to react to to what was obviously a bad decision? I mean, it's just from the science, it's bad. Why did it take the sexual harassment allegations to really put Andrew Cuomo on the ropes? You know, I think some of it is is we're in a one party state and and the politics of, you know, we, we've seen over the last several uh, years, the politics, uh, uh, you know, the sexual harassment, obviously a very real issue. Sure. But it also has been, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, weaponized at right. times and, and, made, uh, and it's been more of a national issue. Nursing home, I think for a lot of people. They don't understand the linkage between the governor's order and the nursing home deaths. Right. That's why there was a reason to block that. And that's why, you know, his, his allies in the legislature have either been afraid of, to take action against him or at this point are complicit in that cover-up regarding the nursing home deaths. But you're not wrong. 15,000, 15,000 in my area alone, nursing home deaths 
at least the new numbers we now know, it's over 56% of total death in county region. Yeah. And to your point, that's kind of gotten lost, but I think that's a real, that investigation alone and that cover up alone would be reason enough, uh, I think, to, to uh, you know, warrant uh, an investigation. And obviously it has. Uh, but my colleagues in the Senate, John, they were unwilling at any point to issue subpoenas right. on the nursing home. They were unwilling at any point to do any kind of investigation or hold this governor accountable at any time. And in fact, blocked our attempts to get subpoenas, blocked our attempts to do an actual investigation into this governor. Yeah. And of course, remember that closed door meeting, Senator James Scoofus, who was the investigations chair, when he was told why that they withheld data, he said, thank you very much. Yeah. That was his response. I remember I mean, that, yes. Yeah. Like, thank you, sir. Have another complete ignorance. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you've been a very uh, important voice in offering an alternative way to, to address COVID. It's serious. I mean, we don't want anyone dying. We don't want anyone getting sick. But the Republicans have uh, really offered uh, a very different alternative in some states like Florida and Texas. It's, it's in, in action and it's working. Do you think that when we all step back and we take our partisan lenses off that we will learn from the mistakes that states like New York or others made and, and try to come up with a better playbook for a future pandemic? We, we have to, right? I mean, that's really what, you know, when I was in the military, after every exercise, we did an after action review. We identified things that worked and things that didn't. Right. And that's how you go forward, right? That's the whole point of the nursing home. We needed to know what went wrong. So we're not doing that in the future. And that's what government should always do. Unfortunately, to your point, we very often don't. We sort of dig in uh, on the partisan side. But you look at other states that didn't have the lockdowns, and their numbers aren't any any worse, and some of them are much better, better. than yeah. New York after all of these uh, restrictions. It's really a, a difference of, of, of approach. I have always looked at this as we should be the least restrictive that we can be to keep people safe. Keep people safe, but how do we do that in the least restrictive way? Our governor and my colleagues across the aisle have taken the opposite approach. They wanted to say, what is the most restrictive way we can be without closing everything down completely? And it's just, it's just you know, uh, to me, it's a very simple choice. I think most New Yorkers, regardless of Stripe, uh, would choose, you know, our, my way. They, would, they don't want to be closed down, right. but they've been... They've been told to be afraid of this. They've been, you know, all the data, all, and look at it, it's serious. Like you said, a lot of people have, have died, uh, but we need to learn from it. So we just don't keep doing the same mistakes. And I do think one day we're going to look back and, and maybe have a very different assessment of who was good, you know, whose policies worked, whose policies didn't. As you know, the governor wrote a book uh, in the middle of that. I remember that. Yes. Victor, you know, how to lead during COVID. Uh, I'll bet you that book is missing. There, there needs to be like an addendum, you know, when they come out with a new I book think that's with right. edited chapters, uh, because clearly he left out some key uh, key chapters in that book. There is no doubt. I think right now, I know you're real busy. I want to ask you one last question. I know New York is kind of reviewed uh, as a blue state these days, but it wasn't that long ago when you had a Senator Alphonse D'Amato and a George Pataki and, and you had a Rudy Giuliani as mayor. Do you think that the, the, the last year of seeing the Democratic leadership, whether it's de Blasio during the riots and Cuomo during COVID and now sexual harassment, that Republicans get a, a rejuvenated opportunity to go for statewide office and potentially win? Look, at I, I think there's all, at the end of the day, yes, it is a Democratic-leaning state. No, no question about it. 
But I think at the end of the day, New Yorkers have shown over the years that they will vote for Republicans when when things get bad enough or when Republicans are speaking issues that matter to them at that moment. You go back to 1993, New York City was a cesspool. Right. It had been one of, one of the most dangerous big cities in America. And New Yorkers, Democrats, uh, in the city, no less, voted for a tough-talking Republican prosecutor to turn the city around. And the rest is history, as they say. And so, you know, just the other day, uh, a friend of mine, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, you know, announced that he was looking at a run for governor. Right. We've had other uh, figures uh, look at this. I think that's a sign that that national Republican figures, you know, strong uh, Republican leaders in our party uh, in D.C. and elsewhere are really looking hard at, at a run for governor. And that, that should fill our party and our state with a lot of optimism. Yeah, there's no doubt. In fact, we had Congressman Zeldin on here last week, and he said something very similar. And it's, it's an interesting time for New York politics. And I know you've got a lot of busy stuff to do. We've got a, a state in crisis, so I'm going to let you get back to work. But, Senator, thanks for all you do, and uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. John, thank you for having me, and uh, I'll be happy to come back anytime. I would love that. It would be a great honor. Thank you, John. Have a good one. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to share with you a pretty remarkable interview that Sophie Mann, my colleague, the new host of Just the AM television program, uh, had this morning with Georgia Governor uh, Kemp. You're not going to want to miss this. Brian Kemp said a lot of things, including where the state of the Republican Party is, what they're going to do with legislation to tighten up the rules that, that many people in 2020 felt got abused. Uh, this is a great interview. Sophie did a great job. I want you to come back and listen to it when we come back from the commercial break. Thank you. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. In a second, uh, I'm going to play some of the snippets from a really great interview that my colleague Sophie Mann has done with uh, Governor Brian Kemp of the state of Georgia. Uh, it was this morning. It was on her Just the News AM show. If you haven't seen it, go on Just the News. You can see it on the television tab. You can download the Real America's Voice app. You can watch it on Dish Network, the satellite TV provider, and you can watch it on Roku uh, and Pluto, uh, two of the most uh, impressive streaming platforms for on-demand television. But she had Brian Kemp on. It is just remarkable talking about Herschel Walker possibly running for the Senate. 
whether Georgia's turned blue or whether 2020 was an aberration, uh, what's going on with the new election reform, election integrity bills. You just got to listen to it. It's real news. We really want to listen to it. Here we go. Surprisingly to many, Georgia was one of the states that got the most attention in the aftermath of the election this past November. And then again in January, when they had the stage all to themselves for a special election runoff. In the end, Georgia went blue. It has been 16 years since they've had a Democratic senator, and now they've got two. It's been 28 years since the state voted for a Democratic president, when the state threw its electoral college votes behind Bill Clinton. In two years, another two elections will shape the peach state as Senator Warnock's abbreviated term will be up and Governor Kemp will be on the ticket, most likely having a rematch against Stacey Abrams, who he narrowly defeated four years ago. Then there's the topic of election reform. Georgia was in the news not just because the races were tight, but because of the hearings and lawsuits and questions of election integrity that overshadowed the final results. Both chambers of Georgia's legislature have been debating and passing bills on election reform. Earlier, I spoke with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, hitting a lot of these subjects, namely Georgia's status as the newest battleground state and whether or not he feels safe as governor running for re-election from both the right and the left. And what will he sign as governor in an election year that may impact his own fate? Let's take a look. Over the past couple of days, Georgia has passed a number of voting integrity acts, a number of um, absentee ballot signature reforms, election signature acts in the state Senate, and then a big one in the House yesterday. Uh, what do you think of this legislation, and are you planning to sign it into law? Well, we'll see what the other chambers have to do. It's kind of interesting. There's, you know, I think over 100 elections bills. I've been very vocal about supporting the photo ID requirement on absentee ballots by mail, making it easy to vote, hard to cheat, making sure we have secure, accessible, fair elections in Georgia. And there's a lot of other things that we're involved in working with leadership in the House and the Senate. But it's kind of interesting. The House has their package. The Senate has their package. They're, they're different in some ways. And so they're crossing over, so the process is still ongoing. But I believe at the end of the day, uh, we're going to do election reform here. Uh, I've heard the people that are upset about some of the processes and just want to make sure that their vote's being counted and not stolen. And that's what we're working on. So in terms of any elections that Georgia is going to have moving forward, 2022, um, in 2018, you ran against Stacey Abrams. Um, you won, though she said otherwise. Um, you're planning on running again. Uh, under current circumstances, do you trust the integrity of the Georgia election apparatus enough to believe that you could win? Oh, I absolutely believe I can win. I believe I'm going to win. I believe we have a record to run on to win. And, you know, we saw that November 3rd in Georgia with our legislative candidates who ran on the agenda that we've been pushing over the last two years. Unfortunately, we weren't successful, obviously, with President Trump, who I worked very hard for, um, and our two senators in the runoff. And, and I think a big reason that was people got distracted and were focused on other things. Um, but, you know, we can learn from that going forward. I think there's some things that we need to address, certainly from the election standpoint, with things that changed, uh, mainly because of the pandemic, more people voting by mail, the process being more confusing and taking longer. At the county level, I believe the photo ID requirement would help streamline that, but also make it more secure. And people just want to be part of the process. They don't want to be shut out of it. I think it's incumbent on us to 
let people know we've heard those concerns and that we're addressing those as we move forward. So I'm looking forward to 2022. And are you expecting a primary challenge? Well, look, I'm expecting everything, um, but right now it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm focused on working hard for the people of our state. We've got one of the best economies in the country because we uh, methodically reopened our economy before anyone else. We've worked to do two things in Georgia, protect lives and livelihoods, and we're fighting against you know, big bailouts in Washington, D.C. that the Biden administration's doing that will favor, you know, states like New York and California who haven't made hard choices even before the pandemic um, and penalize Georgians. And, and I'm going to stand up and fight for those things. And I'm looking forward to running on that record. Thinking about a slightly different 2022 race, um, the rumor has it that now that uh, former Senator David Perdue is not going to be running, Herschel Walker might be throwing his uh, hat in the ring to um, possibly run against Raphael Warnock. Um, have you heard anything about this? Uh, just the uh, same thing you've heard, rumors. You know, I know Herschel well. He's been a good supporter of mine, obviously a great Georgia Bulldog. And, uh, you know, uh, whether his interest in politics is real or not, we'll see. It's my understanding Herschel actually resides in Texas, so he would obviously have to move back to Georgia to be eligible to run in our elections. I know there's a lot of other great Republicans that's thinking about running, Senator Leffler, Doug Collins, um, you know, a lot of other folks that have been mentioned that have served in Congress before. So we'll we'll see how that shapes out. But we're going to have a good, good team to run with in 2022. And um, I'm looking forward to that. We are as well. Um, so, Governor, Recently, you, along with 21 other United States governors, signed a letter opposing the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that is currently making its way to the Senate. Can you explain a little bit why you are opposed to this package? Well, it's not necessarily that we're the governors are opposed to the package. We're opposed to being treated unfairly. I think there's certainly different ways I would do a, a COVID package. A lot of what's in this package uh, package has nothing to do with COVID. It's dealing with transportation and a lot of other things. In my mind, uh, we ought to be sending direct relief to those who have been displaced in the workforce because of COVID. There's certainly been industries in Georgia that have been hit in hospitality and service and airline industries. Uh, but what they're doing in this bill, they're not doing what President Trump did and treating all the states fairly. I mean, can you imagine if President Trump had a COVID relief bill that him and Mike Pence worked on that benefited Georgia and Florida and Texas and adversely affected New York and California and Illinois. I mean, the outrage from the national media would be insane as well from the Democrats. Well, that's exactly what Biden's doing. He's penalizing states like Florida and Georgia and even, um, you know, Kansas. I think we have the Democratic governor of Kansas who uh, signed on our letter because it's treating Kansas unfairly just like Georgians. New Yorkers are going to get 50% more money per capita than the state of Georgia. And to me, that's just a fairness issue. I don't know how our representatives in Washington or our U.S. senators could vote for something like that. I hope it'll get changed. I hope you'll have, you know, some moderate Democrats who will stand up like Joe Manchin or perhaps others and say this is wrong. It doesn't appear like our Georgia senators are willing to do that. That makes sense, especially given I know that uh, getting Georgians back to work was something that you cared so much about when this uh, pandemic initially took hold. Um, 
Can you talk just very briefly about how you feel the Georgia economy is doing, how workers in Georgia are holding up? It's been incredible. I mean, our revenues are holding up. Our sales taxes are holding up. Georgia and Texas, only two states in the country that gained jobs in hospitality and service the first part of the year. Uh, we're continuing to do all we can, being that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We certainly have some sectors that we've got to continue to work on. But overall, our economy is great. Our unemployment rate is below the national average. And we're getting we're getting dinged because of that by the Biden administration picking sides and targeting states with lower unemployment with the COVID relief, which is in, insane. It's like you're rewarded for doing worse uh, and you're hurt for winning. And that's crazy to me. Well, Governor, thank you so much for joining us. We so appreciate you taking the time. We hope to hear from you again shortly. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, folks, a great interview. Thanks to Sophie Mann for sharing that with us, for doing the great journalism uh, that she did. And uh, if you get a chance later today, go check out David Brody's show, either his podcast called The Water Cooler or the TV show called The Water Cooler, because he's got none other than Secretary, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on the show. Lots of news, just like we just heard in that interview. Uh, you can go check out David's show. Uh, it's on all the podcasting platforms, including Just the News. It's also on the TV platforms that I mentioned for Sophie. All right, folks, that wraps things up for a day. Busy day. We get a lot of news. Big thanks to Senator Robert Ort for coming on and t- giving us the very latest of what's going on in New York with the Andrew Cuomo uh, dual scandals going on, nursing home deaths, COVID, and, of course, sexual harassment. Big stuff there. Uh, and uh, we're, we're grateful for the time that the, the Senate uh, Republican leader, Senate Minority Leader, shared with us. And, of course, the interview with Sophie Mann. We'll be back tomorrow with some new news. I think I'll have a, a scoopy story for you in the morning, so stay tuned. And, uh, we'll we'll uh, get you up to date on all the headlines, all the investigative reporting. That makes John Solomon reports and just the news, but we hope you like it. All right. God bless you. Have a good night. Good night.